Welcome back to the Behind the Curtain series on the Web.com podcast. Joining us this week is the Wisconsin Running Back Club's owner, Calvin. Calvin quietly built one of the strongest offensive lineups in the league over the last year, both through trades and the draft. Now Calvin shares exactly how he did it. From the A.J. Brown trade to the Saquon Barkley trade to the team-altering selection of Justin Jefferson in the 2020 draft, Calvin breaks down his process in retooling a middle-of-the-road team into a team that is ready to return to the postseason. of the Behind the Curtain series on the web.com podcast. We are moving right along here, and uh, I think we're already on number five. We're almost halfway through, and with us today, before we even get to our guest, a triumphant return with Frazier swapping places with Mr. Vacay himself, Caleb aka Cube pro back in the house how's it going everyone it uh feels good to be back had a nice vacation uh really reset my mind got back to basics you know and and i i listened to the pods i caught some flack for being gone but uh you know i'm just a podcast host <laughs> to see frazier a commissioner of this league not only not being here but Leaving the state during a pandemic. I've been doing my job to keep keep people safe this whole time. Going across the country to miss a podcast. I you know, I don't want to put people on hot seats, but it's you know, not a great look. I uh, I'm glad somebody said it. Yeah, I wasn't it was all on our minds. It, but yep. But I get it. No, good, good to be back. It's good to have you back, and it is great to have our latest guest here on the podcast once again kelvin is making his return welcome kelvin hey hey fellows happy to be here uh podcast has been been booming glad to be a part of it oh man i'm having so much fun with these it's like totally exceeding my expectations and i'm really excited to talk to you here because you were a team that we love to talk about last season on the podcast because you just have a really fun young team and you know you're kind of still going through some growing pains as you try to find your identity but you do really have a loaded uh, at least a loaded offense i mean we we hyped you as kind of one of the best offenses in the league and and your team did kind of perform that way so i guess First question to you is just how are you feeling about the squad right now? You know, I've really uh, taken a little time away since the end of the season. Anyone who's tried to trade with me can probably agree <laughs> to that. Um, but now, you know, pulling it back up for this and looking at the team, it just it makes you smile. When you got Jonathan Taylor at the end of last year, oh, that's that's the number one pick that you wanted. Um, Jacobs was had the big breakout games, but it was looking more consistent by the end. And then um, I know I caught a lot of flack early in the year for Justin Jefferson being on the bench, but I, I pretty much nailed him in the starting lineup when he started actually getting those uh, 
spots down the stretch, and that's just, I don't know, a steal at 11. Not that you call it a steal, but uh, that draft class is so loaded. But, yeah, all the way down, um, the rookies, that's they can't ask for anything more. And when you look at the couple trades, Cooper and Josh Jacobs, I think they were right there too. I mean, even Robbie Anderson, my gosh, if he scored some touchdowns, he'd be a top 10 wide receiver. Well, Christ, yeah. I think you just hit my whole rundown. So <laughs> we can, we can pack it up here. See you guys next week. Oh, come on. No. Jonathan Taylor finished in the year so strong after you, I mean, if you've been listening to the pod, probably the first half of the season, there was not a whole lot of praise around his game. And we were maybe just saying, you know, this is a lost season for JT. Like he just hasn't quite adjusted to the NFL. And then uh, it, it just changed so drastically. And now he's one of the top running back assets in dynasty fantasy football. So I know you're a big Wisconsin homer. We all are, but you, you included, how does it feel to finally see him put it on uh, at the end of the season there? Uh, it was pretty great. And just the nature of, uh, being a North NFC fan of the Packers, you don't catch many of those Colts games. So it was good to see the playoffs too, see them in action um, more than I usually do. And yeah, it's looking at the stats again, it's pretty nuts. That, that last game against Jacksonville is actually insane. Um, but even the last couple there, he's putting up the touchdowns, getting the touches. Uh, he proved he deserved after that one bad fumble game. And uh, really put the pedal down. Yeah, I think Calvin, you have one of the most the the basically the prime example of how wrong we can be here on the podcast and why we <laughs> want to have people in to say you guys suck because we roasted you for the AJ Brown trade. We roasted Jonathan Taylor all year. And we roasted you for your lineup decisions, and I mean, we were wrong every single time. So I mean, that's just how it goes, I guess. We're just up here spewing our shit, and you're out there making the right calls and the right moves. So, no, I was just gonna say, yeah, it's it's easy to get roasted. I'm sure it's easy to do the roasting. Um, but uh, yeah, it's the Robbie Anderson one, or uh, I should say, AJ Brown trade. That was a little tough because that was real fast in the offseason and there's just nothing you can do about it about le- except let it fester until the season started. And I talked to um, my cousin who's in a handful of Dynasty Leagues himself and he's just like, I don't know why they're roasting you. <laughs> I guess we have big eyes for Robbie Anderson for something. But yeah, here we are. Yeah, what was the thought process behind that one? Uh, last week, Josh gave us a lot of info on what went into his decisions. Uh, did you have a target already with that first round pick from Riley that you were going to be acquiring? Or what was what was the thought process dealing away uh, one of your top assets in A.J. Brown? Um, at the time, no. Like, Obviously, we were all talking about it. That draft class is pretty darn loaded. I think, actually... Um, if I remember right, Frazier, you traded up to get uh, Chase. Or not Frazier, sorry, Corf. You traded up to get Frazier. Uh, oh, yes, Chase? I yeah. did. And I that, did. that was you jumping me because I was probably going to draft him there. And it's just yep. kind of like, well, this is clearly the number one uh, or the number one guy left on the board. And um, in my other league, Justin Jefferson actually went, um, I think, fifth in a 10-man league. So I, based on uh, what I had been seeing, I was like, well, can't really complain so here we are yeah i mean that's the ultimate case of you know you're kind of projecting out 
you end up with a late first, but in the in this sort of a draft class, I mean, we were this you know this was obviously the thing that kick started the whole second and the first debate, and you were kind of right. at the center of that. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, oh, end, gosh. you ended up getting a superstar player at twelve in this class, so I mean, it worked out for you. Um, but I mean, the the Brown trade is the one that gets the most press and the one that we I mean, we're still talking about it. Um, but you made a lot of other trades right around that same time. You were you were very busy leading up to the draft last year. And I don't even know if everybody remembers the sorts of moves that you were making. I mean, it all started with Josh Jacobs early, early in the offseason. But then he also made moves for like Amari Cooper, Tyler Boyd. I mean, you were really rounding off your team. Uh, and, and then going into the draft, obviously, you kind of had the Saquon deal under wraps. But, uh, you know, outside of that big A.J. Brown move, I mean, what what was what was the process like on some of those other smaller moves? Where, did you have a an end goal for how you wanted your team to look or were you just kind of finding value where you could where you could get it? Um, I would say a little bit of both. The, I had a lot of those guys that you are hoping are going to break out um, specifically um, Kelvin Ridley. Like he had kept gaining momentum, gaining momentum and um, proved that he can do it next to um, next to while well, I'm blanking. Julio. Julio. Yes. <laughs> wow. Football the best wide off. receiver of our generation. Yeah. Julio has been our uh, football has been off the brain for a little bit here. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, so with that, like, it's like, man, I, and I guess I still had Saquon at this time, so it was like, I need to build, you know, it's Saquon, this is supposed to be the year, you know, hopefully new coach, they use him better, um, and you start going around those big names, and um, that's where the Josh Jacob ones came in. Tim obviously was selling house um, with him and Cooper, and that was really, I don't know, Tim and I have pretty good back and forth in the trade games. We obviously with those two big ones, uh, it works well. Um, so yeah, that was maybe the pretty much the start of it. And then, uh, went after the defense there with the woods Landry for Boyd Littleton Reed (laughs) didn't work out. Obviously Littleton is not getting into the tackles he once did. And Reed too was down a little bit, but uh, they're still not crazy old or anything like that. So, yeah, I guess after that it was pretty much like let's get the get the players we can basically because of Saquon is is the main main reason around that and what finally got you to you know you're building around Saquon this whole time and I think it was one of the most shocking trades I've ever seen on draft day the Saquon JT deal you got to take us behind that one too cuz that was I was dumbfounded i didn't <laughs> well what didn't you say that that was like done well before the draft too like what did that actually what did it look like what was the timeline so when riley was just trying to do riley things and stir the pot in the the chat on uh sleeper and he was like what he was basically to dan and i what do i have to do to make this happen and then i like that brought the conversation back up again because i had shut it down a few times already before that wow and like you know we didn't give him credit at the time but he kind of made it happen and it was going and my thought process kind of was you know 
fortunately, Dan's always going to be good. So those two other picks are going to be late first. Obviously, we proved you can get a lot of value there with Justin Jefferson. Um, but 1.01, I've watched a lot of Jonathan Taylor in my life. Um, you know, he looks good. And Saquon just is not in a great place on that team. As as good the new coach, you know, gives the hope and whatever, but the defensive off or excuse me, offensive line is still still not great. And it was kind of like, here's me I can move Saquon. Jonathan Taylor, you hope, is in that starting lineup week one. Um Melvin Gordon's on the team too. He's in the new place. Uh, it helps with an injury there, um, to get him the touches from Lindsay. But, you know, there, there's the pieces there where Saquon at that point wasn't going to kill losing him. But also you get a little younger and well, just barely a little younger with Jonathan Taylor. Pick up two other firsts and um, keep looking forward. So it's kind of the thought process there. And you know, I, the rest is history with Saquon this year. So, <laughs> yeah, but, you want to talk about the perfect time? I mean, Going into that moment, I mean, like Caleb said, that's one of the most shocking trades <laughs> that I can ever remember in web. I mean, the ultimate poker chip in Saquon, and you just let it fly. And now, I mean, we've already seen him traded again since that point. So, I mean, you want to talk about getting out on a guy maybe at the right time, and we, we don't know what he's going to do this season and beyond. But, I mean, I, I feel like that trade did get some criticism from people and sitting here now it looks really good for you i would say yeah yeah i agree and you know going back to it it was really you look at the other big running back trades um in the past couple of years i don't really ever seeing the receiver of the running back or the guy who inherited the running back never really comes out ahead it seemed um they're just too almost risk prone, you know, there goes a knee and here goes the offensive line and Dallas just goes from elite to middle, middle of the road. And I just couldn't really turn down the the value in that, especially, it was especially hard for me because I value, I think picks lower than most in my opinion. So, but you know, I can't really say that now anymore when you turn those two picks into Jonathan Taylor and Justin Jefferson. So definitely it is. I was just gonna bring up your uh, your ability. First round picks since 2018. Here's all the picks you've made: Saquon Barkley, Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, Jonathan Taylor, Justin Jefferson. 100% hit rate in the first round. The Holy Christ! Please. So, oh, it makes uh, what's your what's your process? Well, how do you how do you come to this? Because maybe we need to learn something. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not a film junkie as much as yeah. you guys are. Maybe that almost benefits me, <laughs> but I know you guys do a lot of film for the later round picks. So it's not the first guys, um, you know, other than Saquon and that was clear number one at the time, but looking back, these are just kind of, you go down the list and where do they rate as a prospect? Not just me personally, but kind of across the board and it's picking best available. Um, not going for anything too crazy pretty much um yeah no real bold selections no right and sometimes those work out obviously i I think dan proved that with uh um metcalf but yeah i don't know it's it's taking the guy who's there and just going with it i think there's something i mean 
like you say, I mean, we we see other owners kind of go out on a limb for their guys. Obviously, Dan is the number one example of that. But other owners have drafted ahead of ADP in the past. And I think, I mean, if you're relying on ADP and, you know, best player available to kind of guide you along i mean you're gonna there's gonna be guys falling into your lap it, it, i mean a classic cl- case is justin jefferson where it's like you know some people get cued ahead of it somebody takes a defensive lineman perhaps <laughs> at 11 and suddenly you end up with one of the best wide receivers uh, in recent uh, nfl drafts so i mean it's uh, it, it's honestly not a bad way to go about it and just kind of play the counter punch game yeah, and this year especially, I think I actually, you know, would have had Jefferson ahead of a bunch of those guys who got picked. You know, I wasn't taking a quarterback, so Tim, uh, that's that is what it is. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I I guess it's easy for me to say I wouldn't have taken any of those running backs because I got Jonathan Taylor. But yeah, that's it is what it is, and we got Jefferson, and the rest rest is uh, history moving forward so definitely so coming out of the draft obviously you weren't quite sure at that time what you had yet but we were still looking at this team with josh jacobs amari cooper tyler boyd jonathan taylor and a whole line of receivers to plug and play after that we were beefing you up as one of the best offenses in the league. And I think at least a couple of us said potentially a playoff team, like look out for Calvin. Don't let him shock you. How were you feeling going into 2020? Did you feel like you had a contending team or what, what were your expectations at that point? Uh, I think, you know, before the season started, I was really worried about the whole how much is Melvin Gordon going to score and how much will I have to play him. Um, I think that was the big thing to start. And then for wide receivers, I was like, as long as I start the right guy, I I should be okay there. But yeah, the Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor, even James Conner has been so injury prone. It's like, what am I going to do behind Josh Jacobs? And is it going to hold up? Um it obviously worked out very well the first, I don't know, what, five or six weeks of the season where um, the offense was just kicking ass. But uh, not long after that, you know, it, there was a little drop off there. What, there was that go to week where it was like, I got to beat Carter, or whoever won that week. And then we played each other the week after, I think, was kind of going to be the favorite for the playoff going forward. Obviously, it didn't work out. Um, but yeah, that was those first couple weeks. Jacobs was putting on a show and everyone was just really scoring points. Um, gotcha. Got the excitement brewing a little bit, but as the pod, let me know the defense was a uh, oof, but yeah, I was going to ask, you know, I was looking at it in the past couple of years, haven't been great on the defensive side as much as we praise your offense. Uh, 2019 finished last this past year, ninth, only ahead of Tim and the expansion teams. And you made some moves, went and tried to get some guys like Corey Littleton, Justin Reed, uh, Alex Singleton, and obviously TJ Watt, which with how we're changing things is going to end up being a steal for that pick. But couldn't really 
put it together on the defensive side. Is there is that something you're looking to address as we move into these, especially with these defensive boosts coming up? Are you you have a plan in place, or you're just going to sort of let it ride? Yeah. Um, other than my pick at eleven, even maybe that one, I I might draft all defense this year. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like you look at. I don't know, Frazier getting chin in, hmm. what, the third or whatever? It's like, man, you almost just got to start throwing darts in those late picks um, just because that's what you do with offense anyways. And there's not really much, you know, knock on wood, that I can improve upon there by taking a chance on a guy. So it's it's almost to that point where you got to start taking a chance on uh, the spots that you need. So that's what it's looking like. Um, moves will come closer to the year um if anything happens in that's that uh area for trades but yeah definitely the draft is where i'm going to go after it just the good linebackers perform right away it seems lately and you can't really go away from that so good linebackers and good dbs for that matter so quick stat stat to drop you know he's one of the original members and up until 2020 Calvin had never drafted a defensive player in a web draft, and he broke that streak with Xavier McKinney and Yetter Groat, Yetur Groat, whatever. The, but you know, <laughs> maybe that's a ch- maybe that's a change of the time. But that was still like fourth round draft picks. So he's never Calvin has never invested anything in the draft to defensive players, and obviously it's shifted in the past few years. But uh, it's good to hear that maybe you're looking this year to focus more on that and try and take advantage of some of these high-end prospects you can find. Yeah, I think it's it's just clearly you've you've proven in the, in the stats in the, in the history that it's time. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, the and the other thing is like the league is moving that way too. So it's yeah. like whether you really want to or not. I mean, we saw like I think we mentioned this on Josh's in Josh's conversation like the amount of linebackers that were taken last year, guys that were third and fourth round NFL draft picks that would have never been drafted before suddenly you see those names start flying off the board and the the waiver wire gets way more raw than we've ever seen so um but i mean you you did add you know like a tj edwards at the uh at the trade deadline last year i mean you clearly had a renewed focus and then obviously the watt trade so it it, it was a nice, uh, you clearly diagnosed it, and while it wasn't really enough last year, I think moving forward is it's something that's really going to help you. Yeah, and I think a lot of that had to do with, so the Watt was right in the prime of my offense, just killing it. And I was, yeah. you know, at the time, the first round pick, that's that was Collins Price, and I was like, well, if I don't get him, someone else will. That's just going to hurt me too. So, you know, here we go. Go get him, and then... um that's where the offense fell off and I really couldn't pull the trigger on anything else down the stretch. Um, the TJ Edwards was a little, just a chance. That's another Badger thing. Those Badger linebackers just seem, if they get a chance, they're going to get tackles. So looking for him to get some more, more snaps next year. Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're in the season here. You mentioned that your offense started really hot and I mean, you essentially, spent the entire first half of the season scoring well above the average for offense. I mean, 
I'm looking at scores in the 150s, 140s. You know, you're you're up in amongst the elite offenses in the league, and you know the team was four and three at through seven games, so you were kind of right there. And then all of a sudden, you have this four game skid that essentially takes you out of the conversation. Uh, I mean, going back, kind of reflecting on that, is there anything during that losing streak that you could single out as, you know, something that really hurt you or was that just kind of a stretch of bad luck? Um, Josh Jacobs. Yeah. He had a couple like not in double figures games there that hurt. And then also, you know, of course he'll put up 27 and two weeks later, but he was just so streaky there in the middle of the season that it was hard to really rely on him. Um, Just up and down the board. I think everything just got a little less consistent um, in the entire offense and the defense wasn't going to pull that, that up any longer, but yeah, week five, even against, well, you said four and three after that. So week seven. Yeah. Week eight. Amari had one against Philly. Week eight was your really bad yeah. week. Amari Cooper has one catch, and it's like, what can you do? Um, but it, I don't know. The guys still, these guys all still finished um, in the top ten, respectively, in their position. So can't really blame it on them. It just all kind of happened at once, and um, look to regroup, gain some consistency, year to come. And playing in the big five, you're obviously not going to be able to survive those slow stretches as much as maybe you could in the pack five. So that doesn't help. I mean, you played me, Parker, and Dan during that four-game losing streak, so might have had something to do with it. <laughs> yes, very true. Uh, and we can uh, probably put some of the blame on Wentz. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's <a> nice. <laughs> that was the next thing I was going to bring up. Um, the quarterback situation... You got Big Ben and Carson Wentz. Um, what, what's the plan there? Are you feeling better with uh, Wentz on the Colts? Uh, think Big Ben still has a year left in the tank, or what are you thinking well, there? With the trade, I at least don't have to cut him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I it was. I was like, oh my god, how can I even keep him on the roster at the end <laughs> of the year? But it's um, no. It'll be interesting to see him back with Frank Reich. That's who uh, had him in MVP form in Philly. So. Not writing him off as uh, dead yet, but um, yeah, Big Ben, again, that's a consistency thing. There's 30, 30 points one week and 10 the next and four picks one week. And <laughs> so I don't know. I, you know, and it could be addressed in the draft as well. You know, you never know. But um, I do know there are a couple out there that, uh, are on the trading block. So really? we'll see what will happen. Huh? What Caleb says? Who? Whoa. Oh, no. Rain Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, you know, could get addressed draft day um, in a couple different ways. So we'll see. Ooh, the intrigue. I love it. <laughs> so, well, that's actually what I was going to just jump into here because we we have all these mock drafters now. The web mock market is becoming, you know, oversaturated these okay. days. So <laughs> everybody and their mom thinks they can pull together a web mock. And one of the most common picks is you selecting a quarterback 
mostly the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, at 11. Let's say the board falls that way and nobody tries to trade up, which definitely could happen. But if Trevor Lawrence falls into your lap at 11th overall, will you take him? Um, you know, I've heard a lot of rumors that uh, there's either people jumping me or taking him in front of me. Um, but he might, you know, he is the golden boy, but... I don't know. Justin Fields looked pretty gritty in those those uh, playoff oh. games. So I'm not saying I'd take him at 11. I probably wouldn't. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be upset if that's who ended up on my team either. So we there shall see. There you go. There you go. Would not be upset. Mock drafters continue. <laughs> <laughs> Ad- adjust the boards. Yeah, adjust the boards. As we speak. <laughs> All right. Well, going into... 2021 what is the expectation for your squad are you are you happy with what you got are you looking to make moves and do you think that this year where we will probably have five playoff teams that you can make a triumphant return to the playoffs um the offense minus the quarterback position it's just probably not going to change at all um there's really no reason to, in my opinion. Um, seems like you guys agree with that. Other yeah. than that, uh, you know, it, it's going to be exciting to see what type, type of numbers TJ Watt puts up with these new scoring. Um, as as we stated, it's a pretty big steal looking back, which uh, how can you predict something like that? But um, very excited for that. And, you know, you never know what JPP is going to do. Oh, Let him wow. carry me. So. Wow. <laughs> what a hey. guy, dude, what a guy yeah. man just what a tenure on this squad tenure on this squad the guy's never lost a playoff game like oh, just yeah. a winner so we'll see what happens there and uh hopefully can address some needs um in the draft on the defense maybe the quarterback and uh see what trades there are to to come in the future on that side of the ball you know there's there's a little bit to play with yeah not really in the next two years. Well, not this year, but draft picks in the next year. There's there's a couple there. So there's you're, options. So you're thinking playoffs. I'm thinking playoffs. I don't know why why I wouldn't. Um, especially you know that the JJ the offense and JJ Watt. Or, excuse me, not JJ Watt. TJ Watt. Um, you can have JJ too if you want. <laughs> Inbox is open. Oh, okay, cool. okay. That that'd be pretty wild. You get the boys <laughs> together. Um. But yeah, I think we gotta gotta set the expectations on playoffs with that offense. It'd be kind of a shame if I don't make some moves to get the defense up to par. Um, some would yeah. say wasting. So I agree. that's the plan. This is shaping up because I've been listening to these podcasts, and it seems like everyone's like, you know, it should be a playoff year for me. Uh-huh. Josh Riley, Riley, Dark Horse, Josh, Tim. Tim thinks he might be getting there. I think with this five teams, it's gonna be that to get into that wild card game is gonna be a battle for some. It's gonna teams. be a shootout. I'm excited for that fifth yeah. spot. It's a lot, of, a lot of parody. We we've had some battles for that fourth spot. Oh, this is gonna be that fifth spot's just gonna be that much more exciting. I think. Oh yeah. And then all the pressure is on that team, the wild card weekend. That's going to be special. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I uh, I wholeheartedly agree, and I think that the league we might be in for some surprises this year, both with the fifth team and with some of these contenders kind of entering the end of their window. So uh, I would say look out for for Calvin this season. And now I'm going to turn it over to you one last time. You have the global platform, the worldwide audience, the biggest stage in fantasy football is yours. Calvin, is there anything that you would like to say? You know, there was a time in this league where I was on the chopping block. There was there was a starting spot missed. Caleb was Caleb was messaging me. DMing me all the time, asking for my spot. I held true. Um, Embrace the dynasty. Now I'm in two. Um, you know, made it to the finals in that one. That was first year. I'm not. I'm not here. I'm not gonna leave anytime soon. I'm here for the long run. Um, had a great time in Web. The getting back in the trades kind of reinvigorated the whole aspect on it. Getting back in the area and being at the draft gives a little camaraderie with the uh, the old web squad and um, excited to get back in the little playoffs and make some noise. So look out. Let's go. Nice. <laughs> what a what a story for this team, man. This this giving me some really Nashville Predator vibes where it's like, are they gonna stay? Are they gonna leave? And then all of a sudden, just a full buy-in. And now Calvin is is here to stay, and he's ready to win a belt. Love it. Heck yeah, let's do it. Well, it's uh, it's been a real pleasure, man. We really enjoyed having you back on the podcast. We'll have to do it again soon. And uh, you know, best of luck to you, but not too much because I need to get back <laughs> for a three peat. So. <laughs> oh yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Keep up the All great right. work. Uh, it is actually pretty stellar quality the work you guys do. So thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Keep it going. We'll catch you later. And uh, we'll be back next week with, I believe, Carter. So let's make it a great week.